What's going on, Victory Church? Let me hear you. I don't think anybody, let me, let's try it one more time, all right, because after so far as you've been talking to Pastor Brian and Malcolm, you've been a little quiet, and we need to work out the lungs. I get it. You've had a couple weeks off. Some of you, your kids have been home, and so you don't have a voice because you've been yelling for two weeks straight, right? I get it. So let's kind of get warmed up because the, the, the louder you are, the quicker I preach, all right? Do you like, do you like that? Who said that? <laughs> Whoever you are, you don't get nothing free at the birthday party, huh? So let, let me hear you. How you doing, Victory Church? There we go. There we go. Hey, it is the first service of 2020, and so because you came to church today, you can get to go to work tomorrow, watch this, go up to your employees or your boss or your coworker, and you can tell them this with a complete honest heart. I have been to church every Sunday this year, right? It's the first time you can actually say that in your life, but you get to say that because you're here Today, listen, uh, we, my name is Troy. If you're visiting with us, I want to say welcome. We're so glad that you are here. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church, and I'm so excited about what God is going to do uh, in 2020. He did so much in 2019. In the past couple weeks, we've really celebrated that, um, and, and I'm really excited about where we're moving. And, and every year so far, of course, we've done this for two years, so when I say every year, I mean last year and this year. But one of the things that I feel like God has really put in my heart for us as a church is to kind of start the year with a word. Um, and I feel like that word kind of does two things. It sets my theme for preaching, but it also sets your theme for kind of what you're expecting God to do in that year. Because a lot of times we kind of secretly expect God to do something, but if we don't verbalize it, if we don't state it and really go move forward praying it and believing it, then how do we know it's actually going to happen, Right. And so in 2019, our, year, our word for the year was more, and it was all over our bracelets, and we believed God was going to do more in our lives. And, and I can testify, I don't know about you, but I can testify that God did a lot more uh, in my life and in the church's life in the year. And for 2020, the word that I feel like God has laid on my heart is the word shift that Pastor Brian was talking about, yes, with an F, shift. And, and a few months ago, I was going to do one message series around this, and, or, or one message on a Sunday, and it kind of carried on to about two or three Sundays because you could really tell it was where we were as a church. And the concept is this. That word shift is defined of making a slight change in direction. That's what shift means, to make a slight change in direction. Because here's the fact. All of us probably have a big change in direction that we could make, um, for example, some of you, when the, when the new year started, you were like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And, and that's a little extreme, right? Some of us, we just need to learn how to not have dessert every night, right? So sometimes it's kind of more of a slight change instead of this huge change. And I believe that when we make slight shifts in our life and we uh, allow God to be the, the one that's behind that movement, I believe that slight change can make a big difference. Amen. And so throughout this year, as Pastor Brian alluded to, I'm going to come back and forth into this uh, concept of shift. And we're going to talk about how to shift your faith, and we're going to talk about how to shift your relationships, and how to shift your finances. And we're going to talk all about the shifting throughout the year. But I really wanted to open it up with this intro and kind of bring to you what it means to shift and how we get prepared to see a shift. Amen. So if you got your Bibles, open up to the book of 2 Kings. So it's the number two in your Bible. It'll be the number two, and it'll say Kings. It's in the Old Testament, so it's kind of the front side of your Bible. If you didn't have a Bible, you didn't bring a Bible, don't worry. Uh, it will be on the screen behind me. Maybe you have your Bible on your phone. Feel free to get your phone out and Google 2 Kings. You'll find it after 1 Kings, like that. That's what biblical uh, education will do for you. You didn't know that. 2 Kings comes after 1 Kings, so look for that. And we're going to be in chapter 4. And I'm going to introduce you to a story today that is going to be with us for the next three Sundays. So this Sunday, next Sunday, and then on the, our birthday Sunday. And I'm going to introduce you today to three people. So the first person is a prophet of God by the name of Elijah. Now in that time, what would happen, you didn't really have churches set up like this. So God would speak to a man like Elijah, and he would become a prophet to an area. So he, he would come in, and people would trust that what he says was the word of God. So if Elijah came in and said, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, they believed that was a word from God to them. So he was a prophet. So you got the prophet Elijah. Then you have a woman from a place called Shunem. And if you did Sunday school growing up, you would know her as the Shunammite woman. Okay? So you've got Elijah the prophet, 
the Shunammite woman. And then the third character we're going to see is a servant of Elijah by the name of Jahazi. Okay, so you got Elijah the prophet, the Shunammite woman, and you got a servant of Elijah by the name of Jahazi. Those are our three characters today, and we're going to dive in about eight verses, and then we're going to break this down to what it means for us in 2020. Because what we're going to see is a woman that makes a small shift, but it has a big impact. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 starts like this. One day, Elijah went to Shunam, so he goes to where the woman is, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him Hey, stay for a meal. Stay for a meal. Eat with us. So whenever Elijah would come by after that, all the times that he would come through, he stopped at their house to eat. And one day she says to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. So let's make a small room for him on the roof of our house. And in that room we'll put a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. All you husbands, you know how it is when your wife gets an idea, right? It's her idea you have to do the work. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I got an idea. Let's make him a room. Now, here's all the supplies. Go do it. I'm going to go make some cornbread. Like, that's just kind of how life is for us. So let's make him a small room on the roof, put in a bed, a table, a chair, a lamp. Then he can stay there in that room whenever he comes to us. So whenever he's coming through, he can stay in that room. And then one day when Elijah did come through, he went up to his room and he laid down there. Ah, he had the, the, what, what's the bed, the perpopedic or whatever it is. Per, you know, he had that. He was laid out. He was enjoying it. And uh, he says to his servant Jehazi, hey, call the Shunammite. Call that woman. Get her in here. So he calls her, and she stood before him. And Elijah said to him, says to Jehazi, tell her, you have gone to all of this trouble for us, so now what can be done for you? You've gone through all this trouble, so what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she replies, I have a home among my own people. So then he looks at Jehazi and says, hey, I don't know what she's talking about. What can be done for her? And Jehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. And then Elijah said, call her back. So he calls her back in. This time she stands in the doorway and he says, watch this, about this time next year, Elijah said, you will hold a son in your arms. Do me a favor. In the most uh, respectful, Christian way, would you nudge your, your person sitting beside you a little bit? Just nudge them. Just kind of give them a little nudge with your elbows. Ready? Here, do it. And while you're nudging them, keep nudging them. Keep nudging them. I see some of y'all aren't participating. You're starting 2020 off real bad, okay? So start nudging them. And, and say the title of my sermon. Say, say, excuse me, I need some space. Tell them. Say, excuse me, I need some space. Hey, hey, how many of y'all are aggressive sleepers? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know, like you're all over the place when you sleep. Like you have to sleep like this or like this. Let me, let, me, let me be real honest. How many of you, your spouse is an aggressive sleeper? Right? All right. Darla gives me about three inches of the bed to sleep on. That's what I got. And, and she says that I hog the bed. You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of, it's just, she's just an aggressive, you know, all that beauty, you got to get your beauty sleep. And so she's just, oh, see, I'm trying to win the points that I just lost. See how that happens? Learn from me, husbands. Insult them and then do, buy them jewelry. You know, and so, um, so she kind of takes that. And, and I'm, I'm always like, man, I need more, I need more space. Like I just, I tend, I'm a little claustrophobic. Anybody here claustrophobic? Like you go to places, uh, any of y'all on the airplanes, right? Anybody been on an airplane recently? We were on an airplane recently when we went out of town, and, and it was just crowded. And I was like, oh, I got to tell you a story. This is the best story. So, so, so we come into the, I told you, this wasn't even my notes. We come into the airplane, and it's me, my wife, and our two kids. And, and on the way to the place, Darla sat between the kids, and I sat on the opposite row, right? So she says to me when we get off the plane, on the way home, you're sitting between the kids. Apparently it didn't go well. And so, you know, I was fine. I was over there listening to podcasts and sleeping. And so we're coming back. We get on the airplane to come back home. And as we're getting to our seats, uh, our three seats are on the left side. And then the individual seats on the right side. And it's by two young ladies. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. It's by a young lady and a man, right? And so uh, as we're walking up, I said, babe, why don't you let me sit there? I don't want you to have to sit by a man that you don't know all the way. Like, that's just, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't want that. You don't want that. So, so and she's like, mm-hmm. But she's a woman of God, and so she's like, fine, you know, I'll do it. I'm not lying to y'all. She goes and she sits down. I sit down in my seat, and the man stands up. And I was like, you going to the bathroom? He said, I don't know. So I stood up. I didn't know what he said. And what had happened was the young lady sitting beside him had already asked him if he would trade seats with her friend, 
right? So at second I sit down, he gets up, he moves, and a young lady comes and sits down beside me. I'm watching this happen, and I'm thinking, my life's over. Like, the church is done with, right? Troy's gone. And I, I didn't even know if Darla had watched it at all. I figured she was dealing with the kids. And so once the young lady comes, and she's like, hi. I'm like, hi, how you doing? I'm like, oh, help us, Jesus. And she, come, and she sits down, and I just have, I'm like, I just looked over. Imagine y'all are me. And you look over, and I'm not like, this is my wife. She was like. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know, babe. I didn't know. It's not, I, I couldn't predict it, you know. Like, I need some space, y'all. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I need some space. I, I, I just tend to be claustrophobic. Uh, I, I'm, I'm an aggressive worshiper. Anybody here an aggressive worshiper? You know, you're just like, holy is the, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you just, you have to move. And so when you get in places, I'll go to conferences and stuff and orient concerts, whatever it might be. And, you know, they're all shoulder to shoulder. And I'm like, brother needs some space. Like, I want to be able to move and worship. And I'll never forget this story. Uh, it, was, it was early in the church. And early in the church, you look around now and there's, I don't know how many people are in here, but, but early in the church, and by early, I mean like a year ago, uh, this place was pretty empty, right? I mean, it was like six of us in here worshiping Jesus. And, and so I would be down here on the front row by myself, just me. And so I had all my room to just go after Jesus. And the worship team would be up here, and they'd be going crazy, and I'd be going crazy. And I'd be like, you know, you never lost a battle or whatever the song was. And, and I would be feeling it. And at one point, I would open my eyes, and if my seat was here, I'd be like over here staring at the wall. And that's a little different now because there's so many people that maybe you're not paying attention. But when there's six people in the room, everybody's watching me, right? And they're like, what is he doing? And I'm just over here like, the whole time I think I'm here, and I'm here. You know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm aggressive. So I just need some space. Say it. Say, I need some space. If 2020 is going to be the year that you and I want it to be, and if we're going to see a true shift, a true shift, this is not a play on words. I mean this. If we're going to see a true shift in our lives, we are going to have to make more space for God. It's, it's just the truth. One of the ways we're doing that right now as a church is through fasting. In case you're visiting or you haven't been here over the holidays, we started a fast on January 1st that will end on January 19th. And there's people all throughout our church fasting different things. Uh, I know people that are fasting food. I'm eating one meal a day. There are people that are fasting in different time frames. Our, our kids directors are drinking nothing but juice. Uh, they're more spiritual than me. And, and, and there's just all these different fasts. People are fasting social media. Some people are fasting sweets or coffee. I was talking to a friend of mine here at the church, and we were talking about her fast over social media. And I love this. She said, um, she said I'm fasting the snooze button. I was like, man, that's the title of a sermon right there, Fast the Snooze Button. And she said, what happens is, she said, normally I would snooze and lose about 30 minutes. So she says, the second it goes off, I get up and I spend about that 30 minutes praying and seeking God. And I thought, man, that is so cool because she's fasting, she's making more space for God. And that's what fasting is all about. In case, you, I don't know what kind of church you grew up in, if you, ever, if you didn't even grow up in church. And you hear fasting and you're like, are these people just trying to spiritualize a diet? Like, you know, what's, what's the system? It's, it's doing something that opens up more room and more space for God. And so I, I want to tell you two things that we need to do starting 2020 if we are going to see a true shift in our personal lives as well in our church. And number one is this, we need to start making room for God. We need to start making room for God. So let's look real quick back at 2 Kings chapter 4. Let's look at verses 9 and 10 and watch this. She says to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. So let's make a small room. Let's make small room on the roof, put in a bed, a table, chair, and a lamp for him. And then he can stay whenever he comes through. So watch this. It was very common in that day for a prophet to come through a town. And while they're just coming through the town, someone would take them in and feed them. Maybe give them an opportunity to, to freshen up. And then they'd be out the door and back on their mission. And they might not see him for three or four months, and they'd come back through town again, and, and they'd walk in and get a meal and get freshened up, and they'd be on again. And Shunem was a place that was kind of right in the middle of a heavy uh, trafficked area for prophets. So it was very common for the people who lived in Shunem to take in a prophet, feed them or whatever it might be, and then send them on their way. But here's what this woman recognizes. She says, hey, I know he's a man of God, but I feel like that's the Spirit of God talking to us through this man. I believe God's got a word for me and my husband and this household. And if I really want to be able to get all that God has for me, 
I'm going to have to change things so that instead of him just passing through, he can stay a while, right? So she says, I need to make room. Here's the question I've been asking myself all week in preparation, and I want you to ask yourself. When it comes to the room that I have for God in my life, is it more accessible for him to stay a while or just pass through? I hear people all the time, they'll say, yeah, I do my quiet time on the way to work, or I do my quiet time in the shower. And, and I love that, and if that's the season of life you're in, and then good, you need to do that. But sometimes I feel like we, we, we set our schedule in a way where we hope God just passes through as opposed to God coming and staying a while. You know what I mean? Like, pull up a chair. Let's talk a moment. Be involved in my life. Don't just pass through, because if I just want God to pass through, I need him to pass through with a blessing. But if I have him stay a while, there can be moment of blessing, and there can be moment of relationship and moment of conversation. So this woman says, you know what? We need to make room for the Spirit of God. Husband, grab a hammer and start making some room. And in 2020, if I could put a word on the year, the word shift means this. I'm shifting things to make more room in my life for God. I hear people all the time, they'll say, I'm waiting on a move of God. You ever heard that? That's what real spiritual people say. Like, oh, I'm just waiting to see a move of God. I'm just, oh, we're waiting on a move of God. Is it possible that God is waiting on us to make more room for him so that he can then move so we're waiting for him to move, and he's waiting for us to make room, right? So if we want to see a real shift, we have to make room. How many of you have kids under the age of 13, 13 or younger? Anybody have kids? We have a lot. Thank God for, first of all, thank you for listening to the Bible and reproducing, okay? Thank you for that. We're growing the church the natural way. Can I get an amen? Well, amens are gone. <laughs> Honeymoon, amen, kids. Um, so, so if you have kids under the age of 13, you dealt with the same problem Darla and I did just a couple weeks ago. You had Christmas, and your kids got a whole bunch of new toys that they did not need, right? Your kids already have more toys than they could ever play with, okay? They have more toys than half the kids in this church could play with. But for some reason, they got more toys for Christmas. Can you tell? I got a problem with this. I need counseling. And so we went to visit the in-laws. We come home with all these toys. Well, Darla and I got the privilege to come home for a week without our kids, Okay, we got resaved and rebaptized, And so we, we come home, and we're like, all right, we're going to take one of these days, and we're going to clean the girls' rooms up and, and get ready. Because watch this. We had to make room for their new toys, right? Because they, I mean, frozen dolls and Legos. I got to make room for this new stuff. So Darla takes Casey's room. I take Veda's room. Uh, Darla does Casey's room one day where I'm working, and I come upstairs, and she's got six trash bags of old toys and old stuffed animals sitting out that we're going to get rid of. Now, Casey doesn't know this, why you do it while your kids are gone, because she has no idea we threw away half her toys. And, but, but she's got these bags, and of course she listens to the sermon, which would be awkward. But she has like six bags, and, and, and I realize this, I'm like, we're throwing out the old stuff to make room for the new. Let me tell you something real quick from my heart to your heart for 2020. In order for us to make room for God, we're going to have to throw out some old stuff, right? There's some stuff in 2019 that's got to go. There's some stuff that needs to be trashed up. Look, I get it. It's still good, but you don't play with it no more. You don't need it anymore. Give it to, take it to kid to kid. You know what I mean? Give it to somebody else. There's some relationships that need to go, right? There's some traditions that need to go. There, there's some, some, some addictions that need to go. There's just things that we had in 2019 that we're holding on to, and God's saying, I'm doing something new in your life, but you can't make room for it if you don't get rid of the old stuff. And so there's just things, I'm just telling you, as if you want to say a modern-day prophet, that's technically my responsibility, I'm telling you what God's saying, which is in 2020, hey, get rid of some stuff. Get some trash bags and be like, that relationship's going, that thing's going, right? I've been talking to a couple people that are, that are doing the fast with us, and they're like, yeah, I had to prep my house. And I love this because what that means is I had to get, like, the candy out of the house, and I had to get the sugary drinks out of the house. I had to get ready. I had to make room for a fast. Listen to me. We all want God to do more in our lives, but we hesitate when it comes to making room for it. Things got to go. It's okay. But that has to move. Well, 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 how do I make room for God? Well, let me just give you a couple examples. When I pray, I make room for God, Right? Because when I pray, I give God the opportunity to talk, to speak, to move in my heart. So when I pray, I make room for God. When I fast, I make room for God. When I serve, 
I make room for God. I was talking to a friend of mine who serves on our dream team, which in case you've been visiting and you're not on the dream team, I want to encourage you to go to the Grow Track today and join the dream team. They got really cool victory beanies, and you didn't because they're on the dream team, right? So go on the dream team. And so I was talking to him, and, and we, were, we were good friends. So we were just chatting back and forth, and he was like, man, I got a friend that I really want to come to know the Lord, but I invite him, and he doesn't come, and he's da-da-da-da. And I just felt the Spirit of God tell me this to tell him. I said, hey, because you serve and because you give and because you come faithfully, God's going to be able to handle that. And I just believe that when we serve God, we think, well, that, there's no connection to that. That's how God works. When you're focused on his kingdom, he answers the prayers of your heart without you even praying them. So as you're serving, and as you're praying, and as you're reading, and as you're fasting, and as you're giving, these kind of things move the heart of God, and he answers prayers that you don't even know how to pray. And I'm going to prove it to you in this scripture. But before we get there, there's more places I want to go. So when I, when I pray, I make room for God. When I fast, I make room for God. When I serve, I make room for God. And when I give, I make room for God. Uh, I was going to share with you this testimony. A, a, a bunch of you, so, so at the end of the year, we did our Purpose Prevails, end of the year offering, and a bunch of you gave, and it's incredible. And on our birthday Sunday, I'm going to announce to you the final total. It's going to be an awesome day. Um, but I heard so many testimonies from some of you that said, I've never given any money to anything that had to do with God ever. Never given money to the church, never given money to, you know, an outreach or whatever. And they said, but, but we gave, or I gave, whoever I was talking to, to Purpose Prevails. And I just believe when you do stuff like that, God starts looking for opportunity to be able to move in your life. I mean, let me show you again. Let me just share with you an actual example from my life. So about a year ago or so, Darla and I decided we were going to take our kids to Disney this past Christmas, so a few weeks ago. And so when we made that decision, we started saving money. Well, we also knew that we were going to give and purpose prevails because we're the pastors of the church, so we knew it was coming. And so we started putting money back for Disney, and we started putting money back for purpose prevails. Because of the faithfulness of God in 2019 or in 2018, we wrote the largest check we've ever written together, ever written in our lives, and gave to purpose prevails. And so we believed that in 2019 we were going to write a bigger check and give. So we'd already made that commitment in our hearts that we were going to give more. And so we were putting money aside for that. We were putting money aside for, for Disney. And one of our friends is a travel agent here at the church, and she was helping us out, and she gave us a great deal. Shout out Janelle. If you want to be able to go to Disney, she can hook you up. And so, um, and so we're getting this whole system figured out, and, and we're getting closer and closer, and now it's coming, down for, coming time for a down payment. And I'm like, Darla, we ain't got the money. I'm kind of freaking out, right? Because, you know, I need all this money, but I'm not seeing it. And so I'm getting a little worried, but I'm like, you know what? God knows. We've been doing this faithfully. So then we had to put a little bit of money for the deposit. So anyway, so we continue to move forward in the faithfulness that we're going to give to Purpose Prevails. And then we, so watch this. As, as I think it was November or December comes, we're able to pay cash for Disney. That's a miracle alone. And we're able to write the largest check we've ever written in our life to Purpose Prevails. God's faithfulness, right? But it gets so much better. In the process of those two things, we realized we don't have money to buy Christmas presents for our family. So we called them up and said, hey, just so you know, we're taking the kids to Disney. That's their Christmas. We give to the church at the end of the year. You know that. So we're not going to have any extra money to buy you Christmas presents. So just don't buy us Christmas presents. Not a big deal. Let's eat together. Let's play together. But just don't buy us presents so we don't feel guilty for not buying you presents. Cool? Deal? Okay, good. A couple weeks go by. It is the, it's the weekend before we go to Disney. And a, a couple in our church that are good friends of ours come and give us a Christmas card. And we get home from church, and we open it up, and it's a nice-sized check in the card. And so we get to talking, and we say, all right, let's take this check and go buy everybody's Christmas that we said. And so we take that check, and we, we call our family and say, hey, you know, God provided. We're going to buy Christmas just so you know. Still don't have to get us anything, but just let you know. So the only thing we didn't do is sometimes Darla and I, like, you know, we don't really get each other big presents because, again, we understand the bank. And, and so it's like, well, we'll go on a date. A lot of times when we're back in Memphis, the grandparents will watch kids, and we'll go on this fancy dinner date and have time together. And we say, well, hey, we can afford them presents, but we're just not going to do our date this year. That's just, it just is what it is. Sacrifice, you know, it is what it is. The Sunday before Christmas, we uh, have another friend of ours come and give us another Christmas card, and we open it up with cash. Now watch this. Because we made room for God when it came to Purpose Prevails, we paid cash for Disney. We were able to get the largest check in Purpose Prevails. We had every Christmas present paid for, and we went to our restaurant for a date in Memphis, and we didn't pay a dime. Now, you may not shout about that, but I'm shouting about it because it proved to me that when I make room for God in areas of my life, he moves on my behalf. 
When I pray, he moves. When I serve, he moves. When I give, he moves. Here, here's the way I wanted to write it down. I've learned that when I make room for him, he will move mountains for me. Right? When I make room for him, he will move mountains for me. Here's what's cool. I didn't necessarily need him to do those things. But my father loves and cares for me so much that he sees that when I make him the priority, when it's all said and done, I can trust him to see all the desires of my heart come to be. This is the principle of living for Jesus. It's, it's what we're seeing. And then I started thinking about this story a little bit deeper, and watch this. Elijah is passing through, shooting him, right? Elijah was always, you can take that down for a second. Elijah was always filled with the presence of God. Elijah was always filled with the Spirit of God. Elijah was the message and the word and the presence and the blessing of God, always. But at first, he was just passing through. So here comes the presence and the miracle and the blessing of God, and it's just passing through. Now watch this. If she doesn't build him a room, he still has to what? Pass through. Is it possible that the presence and miracle and blessing and spirit of God is available, but until we make room for him, he's just going to pass through? There's a, there's a story in the Bible where the disciples are in a boat and they're on the water. And the water is starting to get real scary, and they start to cry out for Jesus. And the scripture actually says that Jesus was going to pass by, but he heard the crying out, and then he went to them. Is it possible, is it possible that the very miracle that you want in your life, God has, and he's about to pass by, but he's waiting for us to make room so that he can Give us the very miracle that we're asking for. Y'all ever been to a concert before? You ever been to a ball game or something where you don't have assigned seats and you're, you're trying to get a seat and you walk to a row and you look at the row and you go, ah, this row's full. And so you pass by that row and go to the next row and go, ah, and you're looking for what? Room for you to sit. Is it possible that Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God and the blessing of God is coming to us and going, is there room for me? Just pass by. Is there room? For me, I just, oh, is there, oh, room for me right here. I tell you what, I'll give you more scriptural proof to what I'm saying. Matthew chapter 13, let me set the tone. Jesus was raised in a place called Nazareth. Then Jesus goes on to do his ministry. He starts doing miracles. It's crazy. God's, he's just, he's make, giving people eyesight. He's just, he's, he's just the man. He's awesome. The word gets back to Nazareth that this is happening through someone that they're referring to as the Messiah. But watch this. They don't know it's Jesus. All they know is this guy is doing all these miracles, and it's amazing, and now he's coming through Nazareth. So people are making room for him. They're like, ooh, let me get the, get the, get the cot out. Get the cot out, honey. He's coming through. Maybe he'll stay at our house. He'll bless our food. And, then, you know, and they're just getting ready for him, and they're getting ready for him. And in comes Jesus, and watch, how, watch what happens. The people of Nazareth meet Jesus, and watch this. The first thing they say, Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 to 58. Isn't that the carpenter's son? They see Jesus, and they're like, oh, wait, wait. That's Jesus. And I always love this part. They're like, that's Mary's boy. You know what I mean, like, he, y'all seen Jumanji 2? Isn't that Barbara's boy? You know what I'm talking about? Like, is that Mary's boy? Like, like, all of a sudden, all the excitement and the anticipation of the Messiah and the miracle workers, like, isn't that, ain't that, is that Mary's boy? And look what they're going to say. Say, isn't that James and Joseph and, and Simon and Judas? Aren't those his brothers? Man, I love this part. Aren't his sisters? With us? How special can he be if his family is kicking it with us? Right? And then, and then it goes on. Watch this. And then they took offense at him. So watch this. They're making room for the Messiah. Oh, make room, make room for the miracle worker. Oh, wait, that's Jesus? Ah, uh, never mind. And then here is the part that blows my mind. And he, being Jesus, did not do many miracles there. You know what that means? that there was more that Jesus could have done in that place, but they didn't make enough room for him. And so because they didn't make enough room for him, he couldn't fully be God. Is it possible that if we don't make enough room, that Jesus will come, but he can't fully be God? I just want you to pass through, Jesus. Right? I just want to drive through, bless him. You know what I mean? Just, just, just like, if you make room for me, then I can fully be God. Probably about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, we started, uh, we, well, we got a word about a building 
that was available for lease really close to the school. And we were like, well, let's go look at it. Maybe we'll take, maybe we'll start renting that building and we'll move the church into that building. And so uh, we got there and, you know, it was the first building we had looked at. So I was like super excited and, and I walked in and Pastor Brian got it unlocked and, and we went in there and, and I'm looking around. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. You know, we put this over here. We can have this over here. And our, our band, the, the, the stuff can stay up. We don't have to worry about cords going bad. I'm like, this is amazing. And then the more and more we talked about it, the more and more those of us that were there, the more and more we were like, you know what, though? This is too small. And then, then there was this moment where we said, I don't know that it has the room to hold what I believe God's going to do. Hear my heart as your pastor. I want you to make enough room for what God wants to do. It's possible that, that you're making room, but it's too small. What God wants to do in your life doesn't fit in that space. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm making room. I'm making room. I want more room. That's what I want to do this year is I want to help you make room. When it comes to the relationships, let's make some room. When it comes to the leadership, um, I'm going to do a whole series on leadership because you're called to be a leader whether you think it or not. we got to make some room. When it comes to your finances, we got to make some room. When it comes to your faith, we got to make some room because I believe God wants to do something in 2020 that we've never seen before. I had a, a friend of mine that goes to church here text me the other night, and she said, she said I have uh, big expectations for 2020. I said, man, me too. God's going to do something big, which brings me to the second thing. If you and I are going to make room for God in 2020, I want to warn you now that once you start making room for God, you better start making room for miracles. You say, well, warn us? That's supposed to be a shouting moment, right? Miracle, you know, there's always words in the church that make people shout. You know what I mean? Like, like it's a miracle, hallelujah! Let, let's practice, y'all in the South, Okay. I, I came from Memphis in a Pentecostal church where people would get a little wild and a little crazy. And so I'm going to practice your southern church vernacular, okay? So I'm going to say words, and when I say the word or the sentence, I want you to respond like you would respond. You ready? We're going to do this side first. Y'all watch and get ready, all right? He's going to make the walls fall down. Y'all can do way better than that. He's going to make the walls fall down. You know what's great about that? You know how bad that would be? Imagine if the walls just fell down in here right now. We'd all be dead. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's just words, all right? So, so let's try this. What, what was my word? I even forgot where I was going. Oh, miracle. All right, so here we go. Ready? I want him to do a miracle. Yeah, a little bit better. I'm going to see him do a miracle. All right. All right, I'm done. Y'all are done. Here's my point, though. Those are the kind of words, like, when we hear them, we celebrate. Woo! God, I do a miracle! It's like my cheerleading thing. God, I do a miracle! Miracle! We did a missions trip one time in uh, Belize. I think it was Belize or Jamaica. And miracle was pronounced miracle. So I just walk around going, God, I'm going to do a miracle! <laughs> so now you, now you do it. When you get to work, tell them you've been to church all year, and you expect God to do a miracle. And just see what happens. See if they go, what church do you go to? Um, but anyway, so, so the concept is, why would that be a warning to me, Troy? Like, I want God to do a miracle. So why are you warning me that if I make room for God, i got to make room for a miracle? Well, I'm going to show you why I have to warn you. And by the time I'm done, you're going to realize, oh, that's why you have to warn me. Here we go. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. So then Elijah said to him, who's Gehazi, hey, tell her you've gone to all this trouble for us. You've made me a bed, I got a lamp, I got an air phone, iPhone charger, like this is awesome. I got a diffuser, you know what I mean? Like, like this, you've been in a lot of trouble for us. So what can be done for you? And then he gives a couple examples. Can we speak on behalf of the king or, or, or maybe the commander of the army? And she replies, I have a home among my own people. What does that even mean? And I just think Elijah's a G, right? And so he's like, whatever. Um, Jahazi, what can be done for her? And that's what he says. Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. Watch this. Elijah says, you've made room for me, so now I want to make a miracle happen for you. 
And the woman that did not hesitate to build a house hesitates to make a request. I wanted to write it like this. The woman who didn't hesitate to make room mutters her miracle. All right, go with me for a second. We're about to have fun. I know we turn the lights down low and it gets real like somber. We're about to laugh for a minute, so bear with me. Okay. How many of you, teenagers don't talk for a second because you're still a teenager, so you still mutter, and I don't want you to get in trouble. But those of you that are parents or adults and you at one time were 13, 14 years old, one time, you weren't Benjamin Button, you didn't age backwards. Do you remember muttering to your parents? In case you're not responding, let me help you out. Muttering is this. Muttering is when you want to say something to your parents, but you are afraid of what will happen if they hear you say it, so you mutter it. For example, true story in my life. Mom would be like, go to your room. And I'd go to my room, i go, you go to your room. <laughs> right? Be muttering. I'm like, you ain't gonna tell me what to do. I'll smack you upside your, you know what I mean? I know y'all are like, that's our pastor. Like, I was unsaved at 13. He'd be like, you know, you just need to be quiet. You need to be quiet. Y'all ever do that? You know what I'm talking about? Listen, Veda is horrible at muttering. She hasn't quite learned that you need to get to your room, close the door, then mutter about me. She mutters when she's like, from me to Jeff. And I'm like, bro, I can still hear you. Like, now you're going to get a spanking and another spanking because you don't mutter well. You know what I mean? Like, learn how to mutter. Look at your person beside you and say, learn how to mutter. Learn how to mutter. Mom, mom, go to your room. You go to your room. You're going to tell me what to do. Right? So watch this. This is so great. Now, don't forget this part. You would mutter and your parents would go, what did you say? Remember that? And if you had any sense in your brain, you would go, nothing. <laughs> go to your room. You go to your room. What'd you say? Nothing. <laughs> I'm going to my get your I'm going to my room. I ain't say nothing. Right? All of y'all are like, that's my childhood. Right now I can. So this is the way I pictured this. Jahazi's like, or, or Elijah's like, what can we do for you? You have done. He's laying in his bed. He's like, oh, look at this. Like, he's all comfortable. He's like, this is amazing. Look at the drapes. You know, this is amazing. You've done this for me. Ah, what can I do for you? And I picture the Shemanite woman. She, she, she mutters. She goes, among my own people. Sorry? I have, I have among my own people. I, I don't understand. I just have among, among my people. She mutters. Watch this. She mutters because she knows that if she makes room for a miracle, she also has to make room for misfortune. If she opens the door to faith, she also has to open the door to fear. And she wants so bad to say something to her father. Oh, I, want, I want a kid. She wants so bad to say it, but she's afraid of what might happen when she does. So she mutters it. I my own people. My people. You ever muttered your miracle? 2020, I know you want God to do something in your life, but when the pastor tells you to say it, you mutter. Y'all seen Pitch Perfect? I'm not condoning this movie from the stage. I am an individual. But you know the little girl, little character that mutters? <laughs> I pray that you would make my husband get saved. Am I right, though? Be like, God is the Savior of the world. He sends his son who died on a cross. He's resurrected. Do you believe it? Yes, I believe it. Ask that God for something. What? It's also the, remember the Muppet? There's also the Muppet. I, I'm gone, y'all. I'm just, it's, it's whatever. But walk with me on this. We mutter it. Because I know, I know that if I make room for it, I've also got to be ready for it not happening. And I'd rather not even ask. How many pregnancy tests do you think she took? I don't know what they looked like back then. One of you theologians let me know. But how many, things, how many times do you think she said, oh, I think we're pregnant, baby? 
think we're pregnant. The Bible said he was old. She didn't, she didn't, she's not a cougar, you know. She didn't see him and be like, ooh, he got money. Like, like she, they, that means they were together for a long time. And so they tried a lot of times. And over, I thought, ooh, I think we're pregnant. No, we're not. Honey, honey, wake up, wake up. What, baby? I think we're pregnant. No, we're not. Oh, you're not going to believe this. I felt this. I felt something this morning. I, I'm throwing up. Yeah, it's because I didn't cook the chicken all the way through last night. Like, you know what I mean? That's, they just were really excited. But then it just, so she's been let down a lot. So watch it. She's cool to make room. But she doesn't want him to mess with her faith. It's really easy to make room for God. It's a lot harder to make room in, the, in your faith for God. You know what I mean? Like, I'll take the presence. But I'm not quite sure about this faith thing. And so she mutters her miracle. Now, if you were like me and you had an older sibling, when you muttered, they'd always bust you out. My sister's four years older than me, and I'm pretty sure she's a spawn of Satan. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love you, Carrie. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. Yeah, if y'all are visiting, I'm, I do this all the time. I'm so sorry. But, but, but I, just, I just, you know, she was just one of those, you know, you, you were young. She's four years older. You'd always kind of go at each other. And so, here, again, here's how it would look. I, you know, mom would be like, Troy, go to your room. And I'd be like, eh, you need to go to your room. She'd be like, what'd you say? I'm like, nothing. And then out of nowhere, my sister would be like, what he said was, you know what I'm talking about? He said, Mama, Mama, he said, you need to go to your room. And I'd be like, if you don't be quiet, get out of here, Carrie. You know what I mean? So watch this. Jahazi is the older sibling in this moment. This is so great, all right? Because here's what happens. Elijah goes, oh, this room is so great, man. Here, I'm going to go back to this guy again. Remember? <laughs> I got my lava lamp, man. My bean bags. Like, this is great, man. And, not going there. Uh, and... What can we do for you? And she's like, I'm among my people. Starts muttering. And he's like, ah. And all of a sudden, Jehazi's like, Elijah, I know. She doesn't have a son. And look at her husband. He's old as a mug. You know what I mean? Like, like she, he just busts her out. Like, just puts her miracle out there. And she's like, get out of here, Jehazi. What's wrong with you? And it's just a moment for her where, like, she was hesitant to ask God for that. And now Jehazi just busts her out. Anybody here got older siblings? You know what I'm talking about? And they'll just bust you out. You'll be like, Mom, I didn't say anything. They'll be like, this is what he said. And I'm like, be quiet. This is literally her moment. But then watch how this ends. Because this, this is setting the tone, y'all, for us for this whole year. Verses 15 through 17. Then Elijah said, call her back in here. So Jahazi, who's already, well, we're about to see where he busts her out. So he goes and gets her. Oh, no, he already busted her. I'm sorry. So Jehazi goes and gets her. says, come here, come here, come here. She comes back. She stands in the doorway this time. First time she came in the room. This time she's in the doorway. She's like, I'm not even messing with this no more. And Elijah, I don't know where it says this. About this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. About this time next year, you'll be making more room, but it won't be for me. It'll be for your child. Hallelujah. It's a miracle. My Jamal dance. Like God's moving. What do you expect her response to be? Yeah. Woo. Ah, ah. Look what she says. No, my Lord. No. And I love this. She objected. Do you know what that word comes from? It comes from a courtroom where someone goes, I object. That's not the truth. That's not happening. Why would she be so frustrated about a, about a possibility of a miracle? And then she says, watch, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. In other words, I've asked God before, and he didn't do it. Do not get my hopes up. I think a lot of us have approached 2020 with that kind of attitude. I asked God to do it last year. He didn't do it. Troy, don't even try to get my hopes up. That's fair. But I wouldn't be really good at my job if I didn't. Because I think that if there's anything that Scripture and the presence of God should do in your life, it's get your hopes up. So watch this. I'm almost done. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son just as Elijah 
had told her. Incredible, right? I read this about a hundred times over the past couple of weeks. And one time when I was reading it, Ben, you'll appreciate this. Something jumped off the page that I had never seen before. Okay? I don't know if you saw it. Leave it up there for a second. No, my Lord, she objected. No, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. What's this word right here say? But. Don't mislead me. But she became pregnant. Listen to this. Don't mislead me. But she became pregnant. I'm about to give you a reason why you should always take your kids to V-Kids. All right? Here's what. When it comes to the Shunammite woman and her child that's about to be born, this was not an immaculate conception. What that means is the Spirit of God did not impregnate her. Her husband did. Okay? Here is the word that you need to get from this. Her faith was frustrated, but it didn't stop her from trying. She has to try to be able to get pregnant. I have a lot of jokes we could go in that direction. But I feel like you really need to hear this with more weight than humor. No, Lord, don't. If she really, really didn't want it to happen, she could have made sure that it didn't. Right? But there was something in her that said, no, Lord, don't get my hopes up. But what if this time it does? So she tried. And so here's how I want to start this year off. I want you to try. And so when you came in, Ben, I'm going to invite you guys up real quick. As you came in, you were handed a little tag, right? Everybody got that little tag? And maybe you have pins. If you don't have a pin and you need a pin, if you raise your hand, we'll get you a pin. We encourage you to share pins. Um, just to be able to make the situation easier, but we do have auditorium hosts with pins, so if you do need one, raise your hand, they'll get you a pin. I- I'm going to ask you to participate. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to meditate, think about the thing that you're wanting God to shift in your life in 2020. What is it you're wanting him to shift? If you hesitate to write it, that's probably it. Because you've probably gotten your hopes up before, but God didn't do it like you thought he was going to do it, so now you'd rather not even bring it up. I was praying and prepping myself because I told you I will always lead you, so I've already filled mine out, and I'll put it on there as well. But I was praying this week, and I said, God, what's the one thing I'm scared to pray because I don't want you to not do it? Because that's the thing that I'm going to pray. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In a minute, this band will start playing and singing. And on that tag, I just want you to write what that thing is. You'll notice that the tag, the texture is a little different. One thing I like about it is when you write, it's a little bit harder to see. So it doesn't put your business out there. But I want you to write on there what it is that you're praying about. And then in a second, what we're going to have is we're going to have this board down here uh, Pastor Brian, I'm going to go ahead and invite you at that board right there. That was Tim, I'm sorry. Um, Tim, Chris, go ahead and come down here for a second. And there's this board. You're going to see it says the word shift. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to pin this prayer request to this board. And every Sunday when you come to church here, this board is going to be set up with that prayer request on this board. We're going to pray for it. Every time I preach about shift, we're going to reference it. And what I'm really hoping for is that this time, like the end of 2020, we'll be able to pull some of those tags, if not all those tags, and be able to say, look what God did. Look what God did. Look what God did. Look what God did. But understand something. The ability to shift starts with you believing there can be one in the first place. And for you to believe that, it starts with you being able to write it down. You being able to speak it out. God, I want a shift in this. My friend that said she believed that God's going to do big things in 2020, she said she was praying in 2020 for a husband. Shift, girl. I got single guys in here right now. We can make this happen right now. And I love it that she's going to write that down. I believe she is. She's going to write that down today. And I hope that I get to do her wedding when that time comes and we get to remember this moment where she tried, where she believed. 
in case you didn't catch the spoiler alert there, she becomes pregnant and she has the baby. Now, there's so much more to it that we're going to break down next week and the week after. But I still believe God is a miracle-working God. And if you are going to make room for God, you have to learn how to make room for miracles. Because it's in the miracles where he builds our faith. Amen? She thought she was building God a room. God was creating an opportunity for her to build, for him to build her faith. That's what's happening this morning. Opportunity for your faith to be built. So I'm going to pray. We got the text down here and everything. You guys are ready to roll? I'm going to pray, and when I say amen, I just invite you. In fact, I'm going to have you stand in a moment when I pray. I'm going to go ahead and get you through that part. At least have you on your feet. And when I say amen, this worship team will start to sing. And worship team, I want to encourage you that if you're available, come down here and do this as well. If not, do it after your service is over. But I want to encourage you, as I say amen, right now is when you should be writing. Come down and have the opportunity to put that on this board so that we can be praying over it for the year, so that you can be praying over it over the year. Amen? You with me? You believe God's going to do a shift in 2020? I certainly do. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word. We thank you that the same God that did a miracle in that woman is still doing miracles today. And there are so many people in this room that are in totally different arenas of life. And while one is praying for God help me to raise my kid, another one's praying that God you would open their womb to have one. For the individual who's praying for a husband, there's another one who's praying that she could forgive hers. Lord, it's just, it's just a wide range of people. And their prayer requests are different and that shift is different. But God, your spirit is still alive and you're still moving. And if we're willing to ask for it, God, you have the ability to do it. And so that's my prayer this morning. For every individual. Some people have already written it down. They knew right when the sermon started. Some right now you're speaking to their hearts. I pray they would see this not as a show, but as an opportunity to step out in faith and believing that you, God, are still a miracle-working God, and that they would agree on your word, and that we as family could agree together that in 2020, we're going to see a shift. And even though it might be a small shift, it's going to lead to a big difference. So, Father, have your way in this place this morning. Move on our hearts. Give us faith to believe. And move us to where we can speak the thing that we believe we're going to see. And that will make room for you, but will also make room for your miracles. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said.